The so-called conflict thesis states that when science and theology have overlapping interests, science is, at least more often than not, in an incompatible conflict with theology, wherein science is right and theology is wrong. Historian of science Peter Harrison writes that advocates of the conflict thesis hold that there has been a perennial conflict between science and religion and that such conflict is inevitable. The thesis found its definitive formulation in the 19th century and despite powerful criticism by historians is still commonly encountered in contemporary debates about science and religion. The current consensus among historians is that the history of science-religion relations is too complex to fit into any simple pattern of unremitting conflict. The conflict thesis is conceptually simplistic and at odds with the historical evidence. As Indian philosopher Vishal Mangalwadi notes, the scientific perspective flowered in Europe as an outworking of medieval biblical theology nurtured by the church. The Bible created and underpinned the scientific outlook. Sociologist of science Steve Fuller says, While I cannot honestly say that I believe in a divine personal creator, no plausible alternative has yet been offered to justify the pursuit of science as a search for the ultimate systematic understanding of reality. Atheism as a positive doctrine has done precious little for science. Science makes sense only if there is an overall design to nature that we are especially well equipped to fathom, even though most of it has little bearing on our day-to-day -day animal survival. Humanity's creation in the image of God provides the clearest historical rationale for the rather specialised expenditure of effort associated with science. Science makes various philosophical presuppositions, presuppositions that are warranted or justified by theism. For example, that the natural world exhibits a rational order, that the human mind is able to understand that rational order, that human cognitive and sensory faculties are generally reliable, that the rational order displayed by the natural world cannot be deduced from first principles, uh, thus observation and experiment are useful in science, that there are knowable objective values of truth, goodness, beauty, that the natural world isn't an illusion or divine, i.e. that pantheism is false, and that the natural world isn't governed by multiple competing and or capricious gods, i.e. that polytheism is false.
Let us examine two major sources of apparent conflict between science and Christian theology. First are bad readings of scripture. Second are bad philosophies of science. Let's begin with bad readings of scripture. St Augustine wrote that in matters that are so obscure and far beyond our vision we may find in Holy Scripture passages which can be interpreted in very different ways without prejudice to the faith we have received. In such cases we should not rush in headlong and so firmly take our stand on one side that if further progress in the search for truth justly undermines this position, we too fall with it. He went on to say that a non-Christian knows something about the earth, the heavens and the other elements of this world, and this knowledge he holds to as being certain from reason and experience. Now, it is a disgraceful and dangerous thing for an infidel to hear a Christian, presumably giving the meaning of Holy Scripture, talking nonsense on these topics, and we should take all means to prevent such an embarrassing situation. Secondly, let us look at some bad philosophies of science. Let me highlight these four. Verificationism, Scientism, Naturalism and Methodological Naturalism, starting with Verificationism. According to the Verification Principle, which was advanced by the Logical Positivist Movement in the 1930s, the meaning of any statement that's not simply true by definition, uh, such as a square has four sides, depends on that statement's ability to be empirically verified, at least in principle. For example, coffee exists is a meaningful statement because you can, at least in principle, verify this by seeing, touching, smelling and tasting coffee. But God exists is supposedly a meaningless statement because you can't, or at least supposedly can't, verify God's existence. As British philosopher A.J. Eyre famously argued, God is a metaphysical term. And if God is a metaphysical term, then it cannot even be probable that a God exists. For to say that God exists is to make a metaphysical utterance, which cannot be either true or false. If a putative proposition fails to satisfy the verification principle, and is not a tautology, then it is metaphysical, and being metaphysical, it is neither true nor false, but literally senseless. 
That's from his book, Language, Truth and Logic, published in 1936. Well, although one cannot directly verify God's existence, several arguments for theism can be framed using the same sort of indirect verification used in science. As British philosopher Basil Mitchell notes, the logical positivist movement started as an attempt to make a, a clear demarcation between science and common sense on the one hand and metaphysics and theology on the other. But work in the philosophy of science convinced people that what the logical positivists had said about science was not true. And by the time the philosophers of science had developed and amplified their accounts of how rationality works in science, people discovered that similar accounts applied equally well to the areas which they had previously sought to exclude, uh, namely theology and metaphysics. Verificationism simply didn't shoulder the burden of proof needed to overturn atheist philosopher Kai Nielsen's common-sense observation that most claims that people make are not scientific, yet they can, for all that, be true or false. Verificationism also contradicted itself. The verification principle is itself neither true by definition, nor something that can be empirically verified. Even A.J. Eyre rejected verificationism in the end. As William Lane Craig notes, the collapse of verificationism during the second half of the 20th century was undoubtedly the most important philosophical event of the century. Its demise brought about a resurgence of metaphysics, along with other traditional problems of philosophy that had been hitherto suppressed. Accompanying this resurgence has come something new and altogether unanticipated, a renaissance in Christian philosophy. Our second bad philosophy of science is the epistemology or theory of knowledge known as scientism. As atheist Alex Rosenberg writes, being scientistic just means treating science as our exclusive guide to reality. We trust science as the only way to acquire knowledge. That is, scientism applies verificationism to epistemology rather than meaning. Setting up science as the only reliable, or perhaps the most reliable, pathway to rational belief and knowledge. Like verificationism, scientism assumes the existence of a firm distinction or line of demarcation between science and philosophy in order to reject philosophy as a way of knowing and exclude metaphysics from science.
However, as philosopher Francis J. Beckwith reports, the overwhelming consensus in philosophy of science is that demarcation criteria are doomed to failure. In other words, science is and always has been natural philosophy, and trying to demarcate and separate science from philosophy leads to problems for science. The scientific demand that every rational belief must be justified by scientific, in particular empirical, evidence is self-contradictory because a it can't be justified by empirical evidence and b well, philosophically it entails an infinite regress that simply can't be satisfied. The scientific demand is also open to counterexamples such as the existence of metaphysical knowledge, moral knowledge and aesthetic knowledge. Our third bad philosophy of science is naturalism. Astronomer Carl Sagan famously said that the cosmos is all there ever was, is or shall be. This is a statement of naturalism by a scientist. But we should bear in mind the fact that naturalism is a metaphysical position. Science is not an inherently naturalistic enterprise, as shown by its Christian origins. A scientific description or explanation that doesn't mention God does not thereby deny God's existence or contradict theism. Any explanation of empirical data X in terms of a material reality Y always leaves open philosophical questions such as why does Y exist and is the existence of Y intended or unintended? Our final bad philosophy of science is methodological naturalism. The US based National Academy of Science says that the statements of science must invoke only natural things and processes. In other words, although science doesn't deny the existence of anything supernatural, it must never mention anything supernatural. But why is this a good rule to adopt? Atheist philosopher of science Bradley Monton, for one, thinks not. He argues that if science really is permanently committed to methodological naturalism, it follows that the aim of science is not generating true theories. Instead, the aim of science would be something like generating the best theories that can be formulated subject to the restriction that the theories are naturalistic. Science is better off without being shackled by methodological naturalism, concludes Monton, on the basis that if science is anything, it should be a search for the truth.
Likewise, atheist philosopher Willard V. Quine stated that if I saw indirect explanatory benefit in positing spirits, a creator, I would joyfully accord them scientific status too, on a par with such avowedly scientific posits as quarks and black holes. <laughs>